welcome to the Battle and the Bride. Our sermon today is going to be out of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9, if you can turn with me there. Matthew chapter 9, verses 38 through chapter 10, verse 1. 35 through 10, verse 1. Excuse me. And I will be preaching out of the New King James Version. If you're following along. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits, to cast them out, and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Let's pray. Great God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Christ, and we thank you and praise you for your word, for the ministry of the gospel, for the living word, Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that as we study your word, that these, these truths would go down deep, that it, they would change us from the inside, Lord. that you would open our hearts, open our ears, and open our eyes to your goodness, to your power. Lord, help us to understand these concepts so that it can turn us into the people of God that you need us to be in this dark day and age. Amen. A people that can stand in victory and in confidence of our Lord Jesus Christ and the work that he is doing. So, Father, I pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. So, as we begin, we are in the book of Matthew. And many people will tell you that Matthew was written to the Jews. He wrote this book, this account of the gospel, in order to convey to the Jews that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. But the Gospel of Matthew isn't just about that. It is the Gospel of the Kingdom of Heaven. So it wasn't just written to show that he was the Messiah who fulfills the covenant promises of Abraham to Abraham and to David. The Jews were waiting for a king. Why? Because of the covenant promise that God made to David. So he's going, Matthew wrote this gospel to show that Jesus fulfills this covenant promise. And to show them how this is going to work out. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, we see the, the culmination of this covenant promise to David. When God says through the prophet Nathan to David, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. 
but my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Now, David saw a son of promise, Solomon, born to him, but Solomon didn't fulfill this promise. He did build a house for the Lord. He did establish the kingdom in a much more firm way. He gave Israel rest from their enemies on all sides. However, he did commit sin. He went pouring after other gods. He, he um, married many, many women. He amassed great wealth. This was against the law of God in Deuteronomy. So he sinned. And then after Solomon, his kingdom was split in two. You had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And so from the time of Solomon on, you did not have a full kingdom. And yet this promise of God still stands. And so as Matthew begins his gospel, he starts off with a genealogy of Jesus Christ so that you can see that he comes from the house and line of David so that he is the rightful heir to the throne, but he also has the ability to, he has the rightful claim of the Messiahship. His genealogy was never in question, by the way. They just didn't like that he was claiming that he was the Messiah or, or God. So in chapter 1, this is an immediate declaration for Jesus to be Christ and King. And he goes on to give proofs of this. In chapter 2, the wise men's arrival. We just celebrated Epiphany this week. The arrival of the wise men isn't just this really sweet time in a nativity play. They arrive to Herod, who is king of the Jews at the time, and declare, who is born, where, is, where can we find that who is born king of the Jews? Herod was not a Jew. He was an Edomite, the enemy of the Jews. He was installed by the Roman emperor. He was ruling over these people in a tyrannical way. This was a threat to Herod's kingdom, and that threat was Jesus. And so the arrival of the wise men heralds in this, the, the coming king, the birth of a king. Chapter 3, Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form as a dove, and the heavens are opened. God declares, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist's ministry is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. After Jesus is baptized, he's taken by the Spirit into the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil, and he overcomes every temptation, defeats the devil, and from that time in, he comes back into Israel, and his ministry is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In chapter 5, how do we pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it goes on and on. So here we are in chapter 9. Jesus is in the region of Galilee, which is his hometown region. Nazareth. And so he is doing ministry in Galilee to the Jews right now. So as we read this passage, 
the main idea I want you to take away from this is that the king calls men to further the ministry of the kingdom of heaven. The king calls men to further the ministry of the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 10 through 1, we are shown four kingly actions by Jesus which teach us about the power and authority of ministers of the kingdom of heaven so that we can be confident in our labors for Christ our King. We're going to see this in four ways. In verse 35, we're going to see the ministry of the King. In verse 36, we're going to see the compassion of the King. In verses 37 and 38, the command of the King. And in verse 1 of chapter 10, the call of the King. So in verse 35, the ministry of the king, the king's authority is displayed in his absolute power. He comes to this region and he does three things. He teaches, he preaches, and he heals. He is teaching in the synagogues of the Jews. He is unfolding the scriptures. In Luke, we see him unfold Isaiah and begin to expound on it. And Luke, it also says that everywhere he went, people were astounded. They were in awe of his teaching. He preached with authority. This was different than how the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees would teach. They would say, well, one person says this, but another person says this. I don't know if you've ever seen Fiddler on the Roof, but they asked the rabbi, and he was like, well, this person says this, and this person says this. Jesus says, it is written, this is how it is. And so he's unfolding the scriptures with clarity. And then he preaches the gospel of what? Of the kingdom. So if he is preaching the gospel of the kingdom, these people are hearing that the kingdom that was promised to David in chapter 7 of 2 Samuel is coming. And this would have been a great hope and encouragement to them. And not only that, he healed every sickness, every sickness, every disease. He was not thwarted or confounded by anything. Why does it say sickness and disease? For us, those two things are synonyms. Well, in the Greek, sickness talks about what we would call disease. But the disease here has deeper implications. And it has spiritual implications. Bondage. People who are held in bondage by sin, and that sin manifesting itself in their lives in maladies, infirmities. Demonic Not just possessions, but oppressions. So with authority, the king has come to his people and is ministering to them and exercising all rights, all governance. And these people are comforted by it. They're amazed by it. They're astounded by it. They flock to him. But... Even though all of that happened, we come to a contrast clause in verse 36. It says, but, nevertheless, even though he 
he preached with authority, he ministered with all authority, his ministry was incredibly effective, but nevertheless, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. The compassion of the king, verse 36. This is the state of God's chosen people living in the promised land. God's chosen people living in the promised land. They were living in as much bondage, if not more, as they were when their forefathers lived in Egypt. They were weary. They were scattered. Those words there don't just mean tired. Mm -hmm. And when it says scattered, it doesn't just mean they were all over the place. It means that they were prostrated by fatigue. Or that they were made to be prostrated on their knees, on their face, by an outside force. like sheep having no shepherd. These people were in danger. Sheep without a shepherd will just do what they want to do. They will go where they want to go. They will eat up all the food and just stay there and then die of starvation. They are helpless when it comes to attacks by wolves, lions, bears, Now, this is the state of the Jews right now. But this is also our state apart from Christ. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, as the prophet Isaiah says. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. So this is our natural state. Our state is one to run away from the living God. These people were living in the promised land. They were going to the synagogues. They were doing the things they were told to do. And yet, it brought no comfort to them. They only lived in bondage. There are people who go to church week after week who find no comfort. That's right. Yes. Because they are running away from their shepherd. Amen. Amen. They have not accepted the gospel of the kingdom. Why is it necessary to preach the gospel of the kingdom? It is because that gospel introduces the sheep to the good shepherd. And those people who are running away from this ministry are now brought into the fold. Apart from Christ, we're kicking and screaming and going after things that kill us. Weary, frustrated, prostrated, scattered. We all need Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you grew up in the church or if you're hearing this for the first time on the street. This is what we need. We need the kingdom of God. We need God himself. And so as Jesus looks out, he has compassion on these people. He doesn't hold them in derision. 
He doesn't say they should know better. They should know better. They've, they've been around this stuff. Shame. He has compassion for their state. And he says, the harvest is plenty, plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He says this to his disciples. He turns around and he says this to them. This is an observation made by the king to his disciples. And he makes this observation. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Harvest. When he looks out on these people, he's not seeing a problem. He is not seeing a problem. He's not saying, "Woo, look at that dumpster fire. Aren't those people a mess? And they just need to get it together. When he sees the people in this state, he sees a harvest waiting to be to be reaped. Why is this important? Why is he seeing people as harvest? What was Adam? What was his first vocation? He was a gardener. He was placed by God in the Garden of Eden to keep it. He was placed over the garden. He was given authority over the earth. He was the king of the earth. But when he fell, when he sinned, and all mankind fell with him, he died spiritually. And then God, in his just judgment, cursed the ground because of Adam. And only thorns and thistles would come from it. Now, in his grace, God didn't withhold all food from Adam. He said you would have to toil by the sweat of your brow to make bread. So you have to work hard to eat in order to produce a harvest. Jesus is looking out on these people and now the king is saying there is a harvest to be reaped by these people who are living in sin. The next gardener that we see is Cain. Cain's offering his harvest was unacceptable to the Lord. It was not offered in faith. Abel, he was a shepherd. What terminology do we see here? They are like sheep without a shepherd. They are a harvest to be reaped. So Christ is saying, things are going to be made right. This is the gospel of the kingdom. The curse is no longer going to have any bearing on the work of the Lord. These people are going to be saved, and they are going to be fruitful. They're going to be in abundance. These people are going to be saved. They're going to have a shepherd, and they are going to flourish. This is all going to be done by faith. This is all going to be done by the Lord, by the King, Jesus Christ. Now, the Jews had problems, but they were not the problem. We have problems, but we are not the problem. The king needs workers to tend his flocks and care for his fields. That's the problem. He identifies the problem to his disciples. And then he gives his command, pray. 
you pray, pray, Christian, do you pray? Do you just complain? Come on, come on. Things are bad right now. It doesn't take a man with eyesight to see it. Things are bad. It seems dark. And we say, wow, I guess it's just going to get worse. If you sit on your hands, yes. Christian, pray to the Lord of the harvest. These people out there who are living in sin, who are living in bondage, people who are attending church and blaspheming the name of Christ, these people are harvest. And we need workers to go out and tend the fields. We don't need complainers. Now, are we allowed to identify sin? Absolutely. Yes, we must. Because when we stop identifying sin, we stop being effective workers. We actually do not minister like Jesus Christ ministered. We need to call out sin. We need to be ministers of the gospel, which tells people about the danger of hell that they're about to experience if they do not repent and trust in Jesus Christ. We cannot just sit around and complain anymore. We cannot be afraid. We must first pray. I'm not going to tell you to go out. I'm going to tell you to pray. That's right. Amen. Because too many people have said, what are we doing? Just go out. Just do it. Well, during the era of the Crusades, there was a time when a man got up and gave such an eloquent speech that the children were moved to go to the Crusades. And so all these children got caught up in this fervor and they, they all gathered together. They started going towards Italy because that's where they were going to board ships and go to the promised land. Well, by the time they got to Italy, many of them had wandered off. They dispersed. Some of them got kidnapped. It, it was a complete failure because they just went. They had no shepherd. They had no leader. So just telling people to go do something without consulting a leader is fruitless. So pray... What? Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The command of the Lord is to ask the Lord to send. The command of the Lord is to ask the Lord to send. Don't let the devil guilt trip you into saying, Oh, well, you need to ask the Lord to send you. You need to ask the Lord to send the workers. I'm not giving you an excuse not to tell people about Jesus. But I want you to live in truth. Not all people are called to be preachers. All are called to testify. But all there are different gifts given to different people in the church so that it can be built up. The Lord is the one who sends. And listen to this. This is very important. The work is sure. The work is certain. The harvest is there. Do not be like, 
a man who gets a basket and just stands on the edge of this abundant apple orchard and gets afraid and walks away. Listen, the Lord is going to reap those who are his. If you've been given into the hand of Christ, none will snatch you out. He is the Lord of this harvest. And so he says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And a lot of times a message like this will stop there because of the chapter division. They say, oh, new chapter, let's stop there, good stopping place. And it's great, you can have great messages there. But then what happens? The call of the king. The call of the king, chapter 10, verse 1. Where the king imparts his authority to his disciples. He says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power. Amen. He gave them power. This word for power means the power of rule or government. The power of him whose will and commands must be submitted to by others and obeyed. It's authority. Authority to be exercised over something. So he calls these 12 men. He identifies the problem and then calls these 12 men and then he imparts his authority, the authority of the ruling king of heaven, now come to earth to do what? He may have the authority and power over unclean spirits. Part of the solution to this issue requires power over the forces of darkness. The Jews had been overrun by demons. They had been. The people of God in the promised land. They were possessed. Not all of them. But there was a huge majority of these people who were possessed by these unclean spirits, these demons. But now, when Christ comes, he casts them out by a command. And they leave. They submit to him. They recognize him. They tremble when he casts the pigs, the the spirits of the, the demoniac into the pigs. They beg him, don't throw us into the abyss. They recognize his power. They recognize his authority. There are people sitting in the pews of churches today who are possessed. I'm going to tell you that right now. Demonic possession is real. And it is a problem on this earth and in our churches. Because a demon can recognize who Jesus is and not submit to him. And the person possessed by that demon can function in a way where they go to church and they can do the things but never submit to the Lord and that person lives in bondage and they live in oppression and until the word of God comes to them until the power and authority of the kingdom is exercised over them and those demons are cast out by the power and the will of God those people are going to founder 
They're going to live in that bondage That's right. until they are free by the authority of Christ. And so when he calls these men, the first thing he does is he gives them power to do this. And what is significant about this? He tells us in chapter 12, verse 28, where they are questioning whether or not he is from the devil because he's casting out demons. He says, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come to you. The authority of Christ manifested in the casting out of demons exemplifies this truth. The kingdom of God is here. It came 2,023 years ago. It's still here. Do not let people convince you that the kingdom is going to be overrun by darkness. It will not. It cannot be. Nothing changes in the authority and power of the God in the ministry of the gospel. You have to recognize this because a lot of people are living in despair. They are shrinking back in fear. They think that the time has come for darkness to win. It will never win. Satan was defeated at the cross. The kingdom is established and it's a kingdom that is going to go on forever. So when people say, well, Paul says things are gonna, people are gonna go from bad to worse. Yes, that's the effect of sin. People living in sin will go from bad to worse. But what does John tell us? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It has not overcome it. It will not overcome it. It is not capable of overcoming it. And what are you? You are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. A city on a hill not be hidden. Don't hide your light under a bushel. And they were also given the ability to heal. Every sickness, every disease. These maladies caused by sin. These rebellious forces of the kingdom of darkness. They had no hope when it came to Christ or when it came to his disciples. Hallelujah. Their ministry mirrored their master, their king. They now had the rod and the staff of the shepherd to drive away the wolves. They had the ability to remove the threat and treat the wounds. The ability and the authority. Now this passage only covers Jesus' ministry to the Jews. It doesn't stop there. The promises of God to Abraham extended to the Gentiles as well. Later in Matthew, he goes to the Gentiles and he is moved with compassion for them. He feeds the 4,000. There's a tire inside him. The king has come to his people in this passage and is establishing his kingdom, establishing order, setting things right, He's crucified by those people. 
he dies for our sins. But he is raised in power on the third day, resurrected to new life, so that all who believe in him, they die with him on that cross, and they are raised with him to new life. And now with that new life in Christ, we gaze upon him with the disciples at the end of Matthew 28, when he gathers them together at a mountain, and they worship him, and he says, All authority on heaven and in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. No longer the lost sheep of Israel. He is going to gather all of his sheep. This is what Ephesians is about. From the two, he has made one. From the Jews and the Gentiles, he has united us in himself. All the nations, and he has told them to make disciples. People who are going to have the same authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, bind up the brokenhearted. Listen. In Romans chapter 16, Paul tells the Romans a very interesting thing. He's warning them against guarding against divisive brethren who will bring in unbelief and false teaching. And he says this, he says, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan's head under your feet. Listen, the kingdom has come. Satan doesn't rear his head again because it's being crushed by faithful churches. So do not despair when the headlines get bad. You be faithful. You pray. You share the gospel. The darkness will seem great when we hide our light. The the darkness will seem great when we hide our light. But when we live as the people of God that God has called us to be, with the authority that Christ has imparted to us as his disciples, then the darkness doesn't stand a chance. You look at where we were at, at... 1 AD to where we are now, the gospel has reached the nations. It is continuing to proliferate. You have the translation of the scriptures in your own language. It's being translated into more and more languages. So more and more people have the word of God. The word of God will not return void. Do not be discouraged. Do not be battered. Do not be dismayed. The good shepherd has come. Our king has come. He has established his kingdom. And he is ruling and reigning right now with all authority and power over the nations. And those who are raging against him will suffer absolute defeat. They will be crushed by his scepter. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. His kingdom will be established on every nation of this earth. His praises will ring out, and we, his people, will sing them. And it's going to be hard. The work is going to be hard. Any work worth doing is going to be hard. This isn't passive income that we're making. But the harvest is the Lord's. The call is the Lord's. If he's called you to the fields, he's equipped you to do the work. 
He has called me to plant a church. It's a daunting task, but the harvest is the Lord's. I just have to be faithful. So what is it that God has called you to do? He's called you to pray. So pray. Be faithful in that and ask for more workers, more laborers. The Lord to send the people in the field. You do need to ask if I am one of them. Then you need to ask, Lord, what can I be doing to produce a harvest of righteousness in my life, in my family's life, in my neighbor's lives? Lord, who am I afraid of? Who do I not want to share the gospel with because I'm afraid they'll reject it? They reject it, it's because they rejected Christ. The Lord knows the wheat among the tares. But he also knows that some of the seeds that we sow, we won't see the harvest of until we pass on. Be faithful. Be faithful. The word of God is sure. The king has come. The kingdom is established. And it's going to grow. And you get to see that. So don't despair. Don't think you get beamed out of here and this place gets nuked. Don't despair. There is work to be done and it is still daylight. Let me pray for you. Father God, I could go on. But Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the words that I've spoken words that you've written down would permeate into the hearts of these people. And they would produce in them a hope that cannot be quenched. A a thirst and a hunger for righteousness that can only be satisfied by the bread of life and the living water. Lord, I pray for this church that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into his fields into his harvest. I pray, Lord, that you would do this to these people. Mm-hmm. Father, I know that there are sweet people who love you. And Lord, I ask that you would hear their prayers Come on, and that you would call men to rise up, whether they're old or whether they're young, yeah. in order to effectively do the ministry that you've called them. In order to establish your kingdom here on this earth. We praise you, Lord, for your work. We praise for the Lord of the harvest. We praise, Lord, that we get to praise you all of our days. So encourage us. Keep the devil and his temptations to despair far from us. And let us stand upon the rock of our salvation. Let us hold fast to the promises of God. Because they were all yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Battle and the Bride. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. For more information, visit thebattleandthebride.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at thebattleandthebride at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Oh,